Welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions that maximize your money and achieve your goals. All righty. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Max Finance Podcast. Uh, today, wanted to chat through uh, a pretty universal topic that I believe affects everyone. I'm trying to think of a scenario where it wouldn't affect uh, somebody. But uh, emergency fund, without further delay, emergency fund is really what we're going to be chatting about, uh, some savings through weather, any financial storms that you may encounter. What... Uh, what are the first things that come to your mind, Lauren, when when you talk, when you hear emergency fund or think about emergency fund? Hmm, probably a an account that's just full of cash sitting there, uh, a large amount. Yeah, I don't know exactly, but uh, I do feel that oftentimes the advice surrounding emergency funds is sort of given as one size fits all. When I think, when I don't think that's, I think there's more nuance to that, and I think what's right uh, depends on each person's individual situation. Yeah, so let's start with maybe the the traditional logic. So I think a, f- a fair amount of uh, literature out there and in, in the and in the internet is really advocating for six months. Um, and sometimes I see a range. So six months of what? Six months of living expenses. Okay. And uh, when I talk clients through this, you can kind of start to see a little bit more nuance, uh, you know, because on its face, all right, six six times your monthly spending, well, you, you have to know what your monthly spending is. And so not to sound like a broker record from our last episode, but that's super important and integral into all of the different planning uh, projecting that you may do as you're, as you're trying to figure out what how best to optimize your dollars. But um, in some senses of the word, that could be total spend. In other senses of the word, that could be just what it keep what it costs to keep the lights on, right? And then some folks also advocate for a range, uh, three to six months or six to twelve months. And so, um, you know, you're alluding to the fact that there might be more behind that. How do you how do you think about what the right amount of emergency fund could could look like? Sure. I think we should start with, you know, defining what is the the purpose of an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think most people would define it as uh, it's a um, it's money that's available to help you pay your kind of living expenses um, if you were to lose your job. I think as most people would kind of think about it or lose your source of income, I guess I should say. So it's the cover this kind of unforeseen circumstance of of losing a job, but it's not, you know, it happens, right? People throughout their career, probably people are going to lose their job multiple times, whether it's maybe they get, they get fired or maybe they get laid off or, or maybe they get, maybe they get hurt or injured or they have to take take care of a family member or for whatever reason, right? They're, they they are not able to generate the, the same income they were, or, you know, maybe potentially they're doing some sort of, um, job that, their, the amount of income they earn is variable, right? And so maybe there's just a slow period or something like that. So I think an emergency fund is really, it's it's having funds available to be able to continue to pay your living expenses um, when, when your income kind of dips. Um, and that could be for a short amount of time. It could be for a long period of time. And I think that's the thing that really depends on each person's situation is, is, if there, if you were to experience some sort of loss or decrease in income, how 
how how big of an impact would that be to your overall finances um and how quickly might you be able to recover from that and so um yeah i think it depends on a lot of factors yeah one of the exercises i walk uh, clients through and trying to determine the right amount uh, and how many months that could look like would be um starting with the premise of given uh, the current job market how long would it take you to get in a role that would that you'd be excited about rather than one that just pays the bills um and then do that same exercise and say okay in in a bad market how long would that take you and so uh maybe that's averaging somewhere in the middle um but uh that that can can be a rough framing um of 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 how many months to 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 think about in your emergency fund um i do actually want to call out that i what you said about how long does it take to find a job that you're excited about mm-hmm. i think that's a really interesting and, and valuable uh thing that an emergency fund can can do because i think um i think you make a good point that if you don't have a sufficient emergency fund and you lose your job and you're therefore just scrambling to find the next thing that yeah you might just take the next job you can find um and you might stay in that job for for many years right and so it's to um have that that kind of pretty important choice of, of where you work where do you spend most of your time every day doing um and kind of rushing that decision simply because you didn't have the the, the time to to make a kind of conscious decision um i think that's that's a really important point to think about so yeah having an emer- sufficient emergency fund gives you that opportunity to to find something that is a good fit for you and your family yeah and i i I mean, in, in terms of people starting out in their, their financial journey, is, is this a goal that you would see as the first stop? Or uh, there's a couple of methods that, that uh, for, in terms of saving for different goals, um, usually emergency fund is typically, uh, or should be in, in, in the list there. But um, in some cases, that could be the waterfall method of saving where you save for one goal and then you move on to the next, and then you move on to the next. Um, oftentimes, I hear clients thinking about a, a percentage split, you know, maybe some amount goes here, some amount goes here. Um, I, you know, I know people can get very excited about wanting to invest money into the market. Um, but yeah, how do you, how do you think about that priority or, or what, what ways have you historically uh, kind of saved in, in, in that, in that way? Yeah, that's a good question. I definitely think it's really important to, you know, have a plan for if you were to lose your job or your income, you know, how would you pay the, you know, your bare bones kind of living expenses for the next several months, right? How would you pay rent? How would you buy groceries? How would you pay for electricity? The things that you, you truly need, right? Like your shelter and food, ideally, um, <clears throat> maybe insurance and healthcare are pretty important too. If you have access to those, or if you're, if you have those and you're paying for those, oftentimes healthcare is tied to your job. So it's a little bit complicated, but so I think, I think you need to think about how, how you would do that. And so a, a stash of money in account, like a, in a checking account or savings account is not the only way to do that. But for most people, I think it's the most straightforward um, and just kind of, um, what's the word uh yeah frequently available like not available but it's just uh, applicable to most people but mm-hmm. you know I, I don't think it's a great idea but if well also again if you, if you have a if you have a partner right or a spouse who's also working right and so you know i think 
the need the size of your emergency fund may not need to be as large if if you have two incomes and you're able to live off just one of your incomes right then and then if you were to lose your job then then you know where your um your next several months of expenses they can come from your partner's income now of course it's possible that you both lose your job at the same time and that's always a possibility but you know again you have to kind of Think about uh, if you're in the same industry or company, maybe that's a higher um, potential for that. But um, so I guess your okay, question is, is, is it the first thing you should do? I think, yeah, it, 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 it depends. I think, and again, it's not like all or nothing. I think you need to, I think you should definitely have like a couple, you need to have a plan for the next, you know, for at least two or three months for a minimum. Right. And then maybe, you know, you're not just building that emergency fund up to like six months before doing anything else, but then maybe you're slowly kind of contributing to it as you're also doing other, maybe investments or other things. And depending on the investment that you decide, for instance, um, some investments can be, can be tapped in an emergency situation without necessarily a huge penalty. So we can talk about that, maybe like a Roth IRA, for instance. So you could put money into a Roth IRA and, um, it can, it can grow as part of, you know, being invested in the stock market. And if you do lose your job, you can withdraw it and you can withdraw your contributions without penalty. Um, and so it's, instead of just having that money sit in a, in a savings account, earning, you know, I don't know right now, maybe half a percent. Um, you can you can earn you can put it in the stock market where you can hopefully, you know, earn an expected return of six, seven percent or something like that. Um, but again, there's risks obviously keeping invested in the stock market. There's risks that the, the, the value of that can go down. So that's also something to cons- uh, consider. Yeah, at the the time of this recording, um, we have a couple of broader themes or threats to the stock market. Uh, The Fed indicating they're about to raise rates to combat inflation. And uh, because rates are are zero at the moment, near zero, there's little room in that department to help combat any future um, uh, potential uh, economic downturn. and so, uh, not to say that's their only uh, weapon in their arsenal, but um, that has an impact on stock prices. Um, also, um, and who knows, at the point this this recording comes out, this could be old, very old news, but uh, at the moment, uh, there's threat between uh, Russia and Ukraine and uh, potential uh, invasion by Russia. And so, that is really spooking markets. And so, as we think about emergency fund and the potential implications on the stock and investing in stock. Um, I am a firm advocate at the very least, we should have three X uh, monthly spend. Um, we can define that a little differently where we uh, look at, uh, okay, yeah, what does it cost to keep the lights on? And I would also advocate, uh, let's just throw out a case study here. So let's say somebody's at keep the lights on number was, $3,000. It's a couple, maybe they're equally earning the same amount of money in this hypothetical example. And um, maybe their total spend is $5,000 a month. But the you know sort of niceties or, or, or items that's like, okay, am I going to Am I going to cut off some some streaming subscription, you know, uh, and all of that totals up to be a couple hundred that's a dollars. Of, that's a lot of streaming subscriptions. No, no, no. I, I mean, uh-huh. just in, in terms, yeah, you're right. That's a lot. That's $2,000. No, I'm saying in terms of what are some of the niceties, going out to eat, uh, shopping, Amazon, there are things that you can s- scale back. You can tighten the belt. My yep. point is, um, 
rather than just limiting it all the way down to just purely keeping the lights on, um, I would advocate for maybe it's a couple hundred dollars more. Maybe, you know, maybe it's $3,500. We're trying to multiply by three instead of $3,000. So, um, it's not going to, it shouldn't, uh, derail you from these other goals um but i think that i think is the most important and then from there i think it's a it's a it's a risk tolerance question as well like you're saying with relation to your jobs what are you both in the same sector um is there a a significant disparity in in terms of income there um you know are you very you know are you a small business owner uh you could potentially need a, a small business uh or a business emergency fund as well um you know is are you in sales uh are your um uh, wages, uh, are they cyclical? Can they move up and down? And so that could advocate for a, a larger emergency fund. But yeah, I think you're right. Starting with some base level, uh, three months is my advocacy, a little bit higher than just keep the lights on. And then um, kind of looking at these different alternatives uh, could make sense. I think, and and curious to, to, to hear your thoughts on this, but I, I would say if we have uh, a goal, so when we're investing in the stock market, my assumption is two things. Your goal is in the long term, uh, and long term could be defined by, let's call it five plus years, or your uh, goal that you're saving for is flexible or unknown. Right. So those are the three elements that I think would be, now when I say flexible, maybe you have a goal of a home down payment of X by you know, a couple years, well, there could be some correlation between the stock market and the real estate market. You may want to buy when the prices are low, and that may also, not always the case, doesn't always move equally, but there may be a situation where you would want to buy, but your, your portfolio is down, and so it might be an, an inopportune time to sell. So, um, yeah, these are sort of the factors that I think about. And then when you're looking to augment that three months with, uh, you know, say, for example, the securities back line of credit, um, pledge ass line or whatever you want to call it um you definitely want to make sure that you have i mean because the, the the amount that you're able to withdraw depends on what you're holding and uh usually is is up to a certain percentage and, and likely not half so um yeah reactions to that framing of of mercy funds and, and your thoughts there yeah I, I wouldn't advocate putting your first dollar of your emergency fund into Roth IRA or investing in a stock market. I mean, I guess you could put it in a Roth IRA and just, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's being invested in the stock market. Um, but <clears throat> I think, um, yeah, I guess we could, you could put it in a Roth IRA and just keep it in a, in a, in a money market fund, right? Because every year that you don't invest in, uh, put money any year you don't contribute to a Roth IRA is sort of a, a year that of lost opportunity of contribution. So I would argue actually, you know, if, if you don't expect to be able to contribute to a Roth IRA because, because you're building on the emergency fund, um, I think it's a little bit of an advanced technique, but I think you can put it into a Roth IRA and just keep it in a, it's called a money market fund, which is essentially like cash. So I don't know if there's really much interest there, but, um, so that what's good about it is that you can withdraw it if you need to, um, but if you don't if you don't have an emergency, then later those funds you can um, and you can then you know invest them into the stock market or whatever. Yeah, as your um, income grows and you, you get more dollars coming your way with bonuses or whatever, then that these different accounts start to to, to pick up steam and and. Um, you might be topping off that emergency fund, and then you can kind of start to invest those dollars. Is what your advocacy is? 
Yeah, I think yeah, I think I generally agree. I think three months is a good kind of baseline to minimum to kind of aim for first before starting to think about putting money elsewhere. Um, again, you know, it really depends. I think some some people's are in a job where maybe they can get hired really quickly afterwards, right? Um, maybe the process for hiring is quick, right? Um, in my industry, I, my 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 role is in demand, but it still takes a month, you know, of like several interviews and decisions. It still takes like a month, a minimum, right? But maybe if you are working in like, you know, the the service or restaurant industry, you could probably in one day, like walk around and go get hired or something. I don't know. I'm making that up, but there's just kind of a difference in terms of like, just, you know, overall timeline potentially. Um, so I think that's kind of a, a factor, but I think three months is generally a, a good starting point. And then, you know, working your way up to thinking about having a plan to be able to, you know, subsist for six months is I think, I think a good goal, but again, doesn't necessarily mean that that needs to, um, every dollar needs to go towards the emergency front after you've reached three months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, maybe more to say on this, but uh, I was thinking about potentially shifting gears to where do you put the money? What do you like? How does that, okay, we've got, we come up with this target of, uh, again, let's just pick on three months for now. Um, you know, uh, is, is that just a, a huge chunk of three months in checking account or um, I know it totally depends also on what the, the, the available, the, the interest rate environments, uh, what, what products are available out there. But at least as of right now, what, what, what are you looking at or where do you hold some of your dollars? Good question. I would advocate having some sort of separate account and now you know, some, a lot of banks allow you to offer open multiple or, you know, you can put in a savings account. Um, but I think, I think having a dedicated account for an emergency fund, I think is good. The reason for that, I think is because first of all, it should be really easy to see how much you have in there at any given time. So if you're mixing those funds in with things for money that you've allocated for something else, for instance, then it's maybe harder to see. Um, and I think, so having it in some sort of separate account makes it easy to see how much you have in it, but it also just adds a little bit of friction so that you're not drawing from it for something that's not an emergency, right? So, you know, I would recommend, yeah, opening um, like a, a, a savings account or an additional secondary or something like savings account at whatever kind of financial institution you have, but you can also open it up in any other um, financial institution. Um, but yeah, I would not recommend just kind of adding to your primary checking account for instance and because i think very quickly you might you know just with anything like you might kind of spend money that is was not that was that that was earmarked for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i couldn't agree more keep it separate um the the further the, the, the if it's a different institution i think that almost uh, aids in this this process where there's a little bit of time in between uh so there isn't that temptation of spending is, is an issue um just given the current interest rate environment right now a high quote unquote a high yields uh, savings account is paying 0.5 percent and uh there are cds that are paying you know if you lock your money up for four or five years maybe one percent something along those lines so really is a low i mean this is the 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 downfall of a low interest rate easy money environment that we see here um it's it, it sort of penalized savers but that's still 
despite that, it's still important to have this account, have the three X. Um, and so, uh, there are, I, I call what, this is what I call the optimization spectrum. So the further out you go, the more hoops you have to jump through in order to get these sort of, uh, uh added perks or benefits. So for example, there are credit unions out there that are paying, maybe it's one, 1.25 or 1.5 or, or even, you know, just far away above what the rest of the pack are paying out. And uh, they often require you to have a minimum amount of spending, minimum amount of transactions, X amount of dollars going into that account, uh, you know, and, and all of these different kind of hoops you might have to jump through in order to qualify for that. And they may also cap you at, hey, this only applies for the first $1,000 or the first $10,000. And uh, so, there are definitely there are um, those accounts out there, um, and they're trying to obviously entice folks with uh, their their rates and kind of using the marketing budget to supplement what they're actually uh, what they're paying out. But um, typically speaking, uh, I, I mean, I use when rates were like two, two and a half. Um, you know, maybe you'd see those accounts doing three or three and a half or something crazy, but. Nowadays, it just doesn't seem like it's worth the hassle. Um, that's not to say you can't go do that, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I prefer ones where you get the same rate, whether you've got a penny in there or you've got $100,000 in there or more. And so um, banks that I, I've typically uh, recommended or uh, Marcus by Goldman Sachs, uh, Ally, um, American Express, even uh, savings account, savings accounts. There's, there's all sorts of other ones. But as long as you're not having to pay any fees or minimum transaction, play all those games, I think that's uh, sort of what you would want to target, uh, again, at least at the time of this recording, I'm sure, as the interest rate moves up. Ideally, these banks um, uh, versus now all of that versus say a big bank uh, where most people usually have their money, whether it's a, a Chase, a Wells Fargo, Bank of America, who are paying 0 0.01. So again, the difference between 0 0.01, a couple of pennies, and 0.5 percent depends on the amount of money we're talking about. And yeah, you're right; it may not necessarily not necessarily move the financial needle there for you, but at least it's separate in a way. Um, one last thing, and I'll, I'm curious your th your reaction on that. But uh, is there are some t account types, uh, for example, at Ally, where you're able to uh, do a sub accounting of uh, uh, different goals, so you mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to open up multiple, uh, like almost like a digital envelope method, open up multiple uh, savings accounts in order to uh, start funding different uh, goals that you might have at the same time. So um, that's also I, I, I imagine more and more institutions are doing this, but that's just kind of another. Uh, interesting accounting way to to keep track of things. Yeah, I think that's a very valid way too. I think, um, you know, again, it kind of goes back to like knowing yourself and how much discipline you have. But you know, I use you need a budget to budget things, and I think you can kind of keep all your money in one account. I mean, obviously, you can connect multiple accounts, but you have these different kind of you know, digital envelopes categories that you can allocate money to. And I think allocating money to an emergency fund there is is perfectly works really well. I think. Um, yeah, I think going back to what you were saying about some of the high yield checking accounts and stuff, wouldn't recommend that for a, for a emergency fund simply because yeah, a lot of those things require a certain number of debit card or transactions and you really shouldn't be making any debit card transactions out of your, I think your, your emergency fund account. So, um, I think and one, just to be clear on that, you're, you're saying the the ones that have all the gimmicks. I mean, the yeah, broadly we'll classified, the, classified is high yield, but there's right. ones that are in this this category where you have to, to jump through all these hoops. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I think I think the interest rate is not that important. I mean, I think it if we we, we you know you can calculate what is the difference between zero and zero point five percent for whatever amount that you um are you know tending to keep in it. I think the other thing you know we can talk about is like how long do you need to keep an emergency fund in this manner, right? Because I think over time, as your financial situation gets stronger, the need to have this fund to sitting in cash, I think is kind of kind of mitigated and stuff like that. So it's not like, I don't, if you think about, if people are thinking, oh, the difference between zero and 0.5% is really big because I'm going to be keeping this thing for 20, 30 years. And I don't actually think that's really true. I think, you know, I think you need to keep it for as long as you, um, you need to. And I think that kind of depends on um, how long it takes for you to build up your financial situation such that you have other methods to, to be able to, to fund um, a loss of income or loss of job. Well, you're piquing my interest. What, what, how do you see that then? What, what, what alternatives are you uh, thinking about? Yeah. So I think like, I think I think the goal is to invest as much money as you can in the stock market for long-term growth, but make sure you always have the ability to pay, you know, three to six months of expenses if something if you're to lose your job. And certainly you should plan for maybe like the worst case scenario, which is there's a lot of probably a lot of correlation is when when the stock market declines a lot and there's a recession is also when you lose your job and when you need that money, right? And so I think an example is we talked about Roth IRAs and being able to contribute to Roth IRAs and withdraw those contributions at any time later without any kind of penalty. You know, now I think this is an interesting question. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Is it's kind of a balance between, you know, the opportunity cost of not investing versus maybe potentially withdrawing from your Roth at kind of the bottom of the stock market. So we can talk about what are the pros and cons of that. But I would argue that, for instance, let's say you you determine you need twenty thousand dollars kind of that's that's how much your living expenses is for and you want maybe that makes you comfortable for four or five months or something like that now i would say that once you have for instance like if you've if your roth ira has grown to a balance of maybe forty thousand dollars right such that you know your roth ira could decrease by half and you could still fund your four or five months of living expenses then and again um Assume, you know, you technically you can only withdraw your contributions to your Roth IRA, not the earnings. So, okay, let's say you've actually contributed $40,000 such that you could actually um, withdraw up to 40. But so it kind of, I would think the worst case example is, you know, you're invested fully in the stock market in that Roth IRA. You know, I don't think the stock market's ever dropped by 50%, but, you know, 40, 45% is something that has happened and I think should be prepared for. To me, that's a pretty extreme example where you can lose half its value, but you could still fund, you know, your four or five months of living expenses by pulling money out of that Roth IRA. Um, and so I think around that point, once you have that amount of money in your Roth IRA, maybe double kind of what you need as an emergency fund, I think you can I think you can kind of eliminate having a dedicated pool of cash for an emergency fund. Um, and I think it works also kind of for, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Roth IRA. It could be something that uh, it could be a brokerage account too. Obviously with a brokerage, you have to be aware, you have to be aware that, um, anything that you have in, um, gains, you'll have to pay taxes on like the next tax year. So you have to kind of plan for that. 
certainly contributions that you make to a 401k or traditional IRA are not so easy to to get to. You'll, you'll have to pay a penalty to get there, but you know, it's not always the worst thing. I think it's like what you pay a 10% penalty on earnings, um, but potentially also um, income tax as well. So I think, you know, as you, as your investment accounts get more substantial and become you know, multiples larger than your emergency fund, two to three times larger than what you need. I think at that point, you can probably stop, uh, you know, keeping a pool of cash in a savings account. But curious to hear what your thoughts are in that situation of potentially needing to withdraw money um, after the stock market has has crashed. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it takes a certain risk tolerance to go in that direction. For certainly, uh, for those who who are able to tolerate um, the, again the variability, um, uh, I, you know, my my I'm a little bit more conservative, I suppose, in my recommendations in that in this regard. And I, I you know, whether it's it's held in the checking account or you know, I've had some clients who also have, um, for example, home equity line of credit. That um, it can operate uh, similarly, uh, where they use that as a mercy fund. Um, I've had some pe- people think of their HSA account as an emergency fund as well. That uh, maybe they don't pull their funds uh, when they have an, a, a, a health expense, medical expense, um, but they save the receipts. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, certainly is we're 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 becoming a little bit more dependent on uh, the the bank, the line of credit. Uh, the being there, um, there's certainly been um, cases in 2008 where lines of credit have been uh, stopped or, or dropped down significantly or or completely uh, eliminated for some period of time. Um, and uh, that, that can, or credit cards, same thing with credit cards. I mean, obviously that's probably the worst case scenario is to, to rely on credit cards um, as you sort of wait for the, maybe you have the dollars, but you're using those as just sort of a short term um, that can be that can be a tough spot if you're caught in the wrong, uh, you know. Let's say you you potentially lose your job and the market's down significantly. Um, you know that that can be a, a challenging spot. You know, but but again, this is ultimately is is a risk tolerance question. And if you're, um, I, I, yeah, it's hard for me to advocate that there would be no dollars. Uh, no multiples of spend in either a checking account or a savings account so that there's a safe backstop. I'll also say too that um, there can be uh, at, at certain levels, your emergency fund, I mean, you know, if you're spending a crazy, if you're spending, I mean, I've got clients who spend twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 a month and, you know, for them to hold you know, six months or, or or four months or three months, that, that can be a high number. Uh, there, there could be just a, a certain figure um, that folks are just comfortable. Maybe maybe it's fifty thousand dollars, or maybe it's it's you know. So so this isn't necessarily as set in stone. Oh, okay, this is exactly three months, and I have that timeline. Although that is a super helpful framework to stay within. Um, but yeah, I think that as you sort of progress on your journey in, in wealth and and you you. Uh, I mean, even for those in retirement, I, I recommend that uh, my advocacy for the, the approach in retirement is that we have a certain, maybe it's even more than six months in cash or cash mm. equivalents to, uh, you know, make sure we're not having to pull money out when the market is down so that, um, and in some cases, like how long, if we look back at this portfolio that we've created, how long has it taken in, in historical moments to recover uh, mm-hmm. from, from, 
you know, peak to trough to, to, to back to where it was before. And, you know, it could be, now this, this is more of kind of a bucketing approach and sleeved. And it's not saying that we have a hundred percent of these dollars then, uh, you know, if it took a year and a half for this particular portfolio to recover, uh, I'm not saying that we have a year and a half in, uh, cash, but there is, uh, there are ways that you can de-risk this amount rather than a hundred percent in the stock market. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm I'm totally on board with with what you're you know mentioning, but again, I think it's it, it really yeah there are facts and circumstances which may dictate uh, you to 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 be on. Um, uh, as an example, I've got clients who are in the military and have a pension. They they've hit their twenty year mark and and they're uh, they've got this pension this this guaranteed amount of money. Then okay, that could, that I view that as a bond, and and sure. if if they're not uh, you know. It's, it, Pensions, depending on where they're from, but but I, I would imagine from the government are rarely going to be adjusted. So um, yeah. Anyways, that's that's sort of my, my thoughts. But any anything that stood out there or, or agree to disagree on that one? <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's just a spectrum. You know, I don't think necessarily. Yeah, I'm not advocating that once your investment accounts become two times your emergency fund, you just immediately invest it all. Like maybe that's when you start to slowly kind of start moving some of it over. And I think, you know, I think once your investments have hit five times your living expenses, I'm talking about investments in terms of investments. Yeah, I guess even if you have to pay the penalties to withdraw it, I think honestly, like, um, but again, it depends on how, um, you know, your official situation, right? Do you lose your job frequently? Are you in a very volatile entry? Do you, are you going to lose your, do you lose your job once a year? Well then, yeah, I mean, maybe then if, if that happens, you know, paying penalties to withdraw things, it's probably not worth it. You have to kind of just think about what are the, what is the likelihood of the scenario? I mean, you can do some math if you want to really get into it. You can say, okay, there's like a 10% chance I'll lose my job in the next year. If I were to do that, the the penalty or fees I would, I would pay to withdraw that money is this much, but then, um, the other scenario, if I just left it, you know, in, in cash, you know, over the next year, how, how much, um, kind of, you know, investment returns am I estimating to lose? Right. And you can kind of do them some math there if you want. I mean, maybe that's an over-optimization, but it, I don't think it would take that long to kind of figure out, but, you know, I'd say once you start getting to five times, I think you really, I would, I would, yeah. Um, advocate not holding a lot in cash because then, you know, like, again, you're holding $20,000 um, in cash, which, you know, for, I guess that's, you know, three or four months for some people. Um, you're talking about 0% compared to what we expect the stock market to return, which is like 7%. That's $1,400 a, a year, right? And that's $20,000, which is not, I mean, um, that's not three months of living expenses for for our family. Our family, that's two two and a half maybe so you know for us it's more like fifty thousand dollars would be our three months of living four four three four months of living expenses or something yeah maybe a, something like that probably maybe like four or five um so that's that becomes a big a big chain get a chunk of change that's a couple hundred dollars a month and a kind of opportunity cost and stuff like that but um so yeah i think it's uh it's I mean, I have seen uh, for for folks who have goals that are occurring in the short term, so maybe a couple years out, um, there are maybe it's a, a home down payment fund. Um, you know, again, this is likely cash, cash equivalents. Uh, we're not trying to hit home run with these dollars. Um, you've got all of that; those dollars that are, are accumulating over time and and, and headed in that direction, um, and then 
maybe the emergency fund is not built out to the, the six months. You know, maybe again, it's a couple of months um, that way you're not just sitting on this huge pile of cash. Um, and and part part of this stood out to me, you know, and again, it could just be a function of what's happening in the markets today. And, and I am by no means a market timer, but. I'm going to be a market timer. No, I, I think that uh, it, there are de- definitely circumstances where we see uh, uh, periods of volatility, which is is what I would imagine to be the case in the next six to eighteen months, something like that. Where maybe you know holding a little bit more cash is not a, not such a bad thing, and and um, you know again it depends on the, the what's the timeline of this money. If it's if we're talking about twenty years, you know, is the difference between uh, you know, buying it 10% higher at today's prices or, or, or down 10%, you know, I, it's, I don't think that's going to move the needle too much, but you know, if it's, if it's a goal that's five to seven years or 10 years or something like that, maybe there could be, um, you know, that, that could be the difference between a flat return, at least for those, that, that pot of money. I mean, my advocacy by and large has been a, a, a dollar cost in or, or potentially out in especially in periods of volatility when we don't know what the future is going to hold. But, um, yeah, I guess, well, you know, we talk about cash balances and, and emergency funds that, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's the, the worst thing in the world as, as markets are moving around. Cause, uh, we've been very, uh, fortunate to have a market that's been up 20, uh, you know, up, up, uh, up 10, 12 years, you know, and, and just had a, a minor blip in, in the pandemic two month recession. And, and it, it's, it's powered on by, by some may argue easy money, but, uh, things have, things have, uh, done very well. So there will definitely be a period of time when we're going to go back to, uh, some uncertainty, some, you know, two steps ahead, you know, one step back or vice versa, one step ahead, two steps back. So, uh, yeah, again, in the face of uncertainty, having cash and just giving, having that comfort level, I think is, is advantageous. Sure. But, uh, I definitely yeah. do understand the opt, the desire to optimize over the long run of having those dollars, uh, invested. And there's definitely an opportunity cost you can calculate, like you said. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say, get comfortable with it and i think make changes slowly and you know i wouldn't say take a whole emergency bond and just dump it in the stock market you know you gotta keep yourself comfortable because i think talked about through investing it's about having discipline and sticking with your plan and and so if you put yourself in a situation where you're not really comfortable in and something happens you're not gonna be able to probably stick to kind of that that plan um you mentioned something that i wanted to touch on which that was a really good point which is you mentioned about you know, saving for a short-term goal, maybe putting money down for a house. And I think that's something what I think you can compare an emergency fund as a goal, a short, maybe a short-term goal with the difference being you don't know when you need to use it, right? Like if you're saving for a house, you maybe have a goal in mind. I want to buy a house in five years, or, you know, I'm waiting until my, my, I can put down a down payment, which is going to cost X. So once my you know, down payment fund reaches this amount of money, we can buy a house. So there's more certainty in those short-term goals or, oh, you know, I'm saving up to take a bunch of time off from work and go travel or whatever, or save for a wedding, for instance. An emergency fund, you don't know when you're going to um, need to use it. But, you know, depending on your finance, depending on your job and stuff, you might have a better idea. You know, you might 
again, we talked about if you're in a very volatile kind of industry, you might think, oh, I probably will might need to use it for the next year or two. And therefore, yeah, definitely be more cash. If you're like, well, I'm in a very, very stable, I work in a government job or I'm a, you know, or yeah, something like that, where you have very, very stable kind of prospects, then, you know, then you might not need it for five, 10 years. And therefore what you do with it can um, be appropriate to that. So I think it's a lot of what we talked about in, in prior episodes, which is, I'm trying to look it up real quick. Um, maybe the earlier episodes around, um, well, episode four, we talked about goals um in episode five we talked about yeah kind of the risk reward investing for goals so i think about you can think about what might be the timeline for emergency using emergency fund but of course you know it's called an emergency fund because you don't really know when you're gonna have to use it but the second thing i was going to say is when your emergency fund does reach kind of that um you know the amount that you need um to cover your living expenses and you you're we talked. I, t- I suggested that maybe you start putting some of it into the stock market. Maybe if and when you you're, you know, you have kind of amassed a certain amount of investments to cover some large multiple of an emergency fund. I think another valid, very valid option is yeah. If you have other short-term goals like saving up for a wedding, saving up for a house, you can kind of just reallocate some of that to over there as well. So you're not necessarily investing it. Maybe just moving it over to some other short-term goal. Because I think a lot, you know. I think of an emergency fund as one of the first short-term goals that people should have early in, in their kind of career. Um, but then very soon after, people will have other ones, which, yeah, maybe saving for a house, saving for a wedding, um, saving for a, a child or child education, for instance. Yeah, yeah, all good points. All good points. Um, any 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 other thoughts around emergency fund or, or, or kind of last parting uh words around this and and the way people think should think about it Mm, no i think just other than um think about your own personal situation be realistic not optimistic like the point of an emergency fund is to give you a peace of mind when something bad happens so rather than try to think about what is the best possible case of your emergency think about what are some of the the, bad, the the worst cases that can happen and kind of make sure you have a plan or you, know, you have a plan for that so that when, if and when those things happen, you, you've thought through it a little bit and it's probably easier to think through how, you know, what to do when you're in a position of, of, of strength and, and, and not in panic. So mm-hmm. yeah, think, think through things a little bit and come up with a plan. And yeah. More level-headed. <laughs> rather yeah. than the emotion of whatever event has happened. I mean, the emergency fund, it's the reason why they call it emergency fund, like you said. So, um, I, yeah, the thing I would say would be just uh, even if you feel like you're behind uh, for saving or you are, you have time on your side and very, uh, have very risk tolerance and want to be, you know, want to multiply your money. I still would think that there are there is some amount of cash that you should have just in case uh, something, you know, just to give you the peace of mind, regardless of where you are on that spectrum, uh, really ahead of things or feeling like you're behind or maybe you are behind. Um, that is this is such a fundamental piece to the the overall pyramid that that you're building the the, the tower that you're building to, uh, you know, send and, and, and accomplish your goals. So, um 
yeah, I think it's 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 important, and you know the the position of where that those dollars are held, uh, you know, may change over time, and and it could be again jumping into whatever the latest high yield savings account FDIC insured uh, account could look like, or or just you know, hey, I, I'm okay keeping it in my major big bank, and it it, it it's not earning that much money. So, um, curious what you all think. You know, is are, are we? Uh, do you have any other ways of frameworks that you think about it? Um, uh, do you have any horror stories potentially you'd like to share uh, of, of when uh, Mercy Fund really saved you? Or uh, on the other end, uh, you know, are, are, do you disagree? If so, why? Uh, we'd, we'd love to hear any and all feedback uh, about what you heard today. Um, uh, feel free to drop us a line at uh, feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Again, that's feedback at max financepodcast.com um looking forward to the next one uh you know as, as we're we're cranking along there's so many different topics out there um if there's something in particular you want to hear uh i won't repeat that but yeah definitely let us know um and uh we're we're interested in in uh catering the topics and and talking about things that fo- that are very top of mind for folks so uh definitely let us know so um thanks everybody for your time um and hope you all have a great rest of your week take care see you We're a new podcast, and it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcasts app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We'd like to hear from you. Is there a topic you're interested in? Have feedback more generally? Email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks, and see you next time.